hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. This episode features Brad Marley. He is the CEO of Yelram Media. He is a marketing executive, um, and it's an all-around fun conversation, um, and I think it's super relatable, so I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, Bianca? I am doing all right. To my listeners, of course, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is Brad Marley. Brad, would you like to give your 30,000 foot overview, who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. So uh, I'm Brad. I run a company that's called Yelram Media, and it's a, it's a small marketing agency based out of Metro Detroit. And I've kind of, I've built it around the business of storytelling and I help companies to tell their stories better. And that's, you know, there's a lot that goes with it, but that's the 30,000 foot view um, of my company. That's awesome. <clears throat> Storytelling was always my favorite part of marketing, really just being able to pinpoint what makes a brand a brand and kind mm-hmm. of how you can breathe life into it. So I love that you kind of specialize in that niche. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's, you know, I see, I'm starting, starting to see that more often than I, than maybe I have in the past and maybe I'm just more attuned to it. But I do think that there's something to be said about figuring out what your story is, whether you're a company or an individual and going all in on that story and making sure everything you do is based on that narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was on your podcast and we don't really know how we met. We figure it was social media at some point or another in the last 10 years of, of my career and, and then just kind of crossing paths. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy to have you on this podcast. I think that you bring a unique perspective, um, definitely in terms of talking about career and success and having it all figured out. We'll just hop into the first question, which is, of course, do you feel like you have it all figured out? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I'm 41 years old and I still do not feel like I have it all figured out. There, there are days where I just wonder what the hell I'm doing because I, I, like, you you know, like, like many guests on your show, I don't feel like I have it figured out. Um, there are days where I can fight through it and tell myself that I do know what I'm doing and there's a reason clients are paying me money to help them. But no, I don't, if I felt like I had it all figured out, that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that I'd be wary of anyone who is like, I have all of the answers. I'd be like, one, you're a very boring person. And two, like, there's no way. Because I feel like the goalpost is constantly moving, evolving, and changing. And what I wanted for myself five years ago is definitely different from what I want for myself five years from now. So yes. So I, I like that. And I, I think it's I think it's a good perspective. Um, now, in terms of imposter syndrome, um, when you and I spoke on your podcast, you kind of hit on it and you kind of just mentioned it and saying that you have, you know, don't have it all figured out is like clients paying you and that value proposition. Yes. So um, in terms of imposter syndrome, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome and in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? 
So I feel like I, I have a business partner. Uh, her name is Amy. And when her and I are talking about the work that we're doing in our clients, I, I feel like I don't suffer from imposter syndrome. However, if I go on social media and I start looking at those really smart people that I follow who are sharing really great insight um, when it comes to marketing and public relations, I, that's when the imposter syndrome kicks in and I start to feel that maybe I don't belong. So if, if I go back in, in my career, I spent a lot of time at agencies. I never had a job on the corporate side. It was always PR agencies. And I was let go from a couple agencies. And I had clients who would send me emails in all capital letters because they didn't like my guidance. And that's when the imposter syndrome really started to kick in and had me thinking, maybe this is not for me. So after going to a number of different agencies and being let go, uh, sure, some of it was performance related. Other times it was the state of the business and the economy. I figured I can't go back to another agency. The imposter syndrome, which I didn't really know it was called that at the time, even though I recently learned that this theory goes back like 30 years. I... I would not have been doing anybody any good if I went to an agency and started over because I I would not have been happy. And, And when you're not happy with the work you're doing, nobody benefits. So to, to get back to answering your question, I do feel that I suffer from imposter syndrome depending on the situation. And, and most of the time I can push through it and, provide the guidance to my clients that I feel is the right guidance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and hearing you um, kind of your definition, like how you can relate to it. Um, <clears throat> whenever I worked in an agency, gosh, I always just felt like I don't fit in here at all, mm-hmm. like in the slightest. Um, my first agency out of college after interning, well, my first internship, what I, I was a media intern um, at a agency that at one point had been owned by a conglomerate, but then they broke back off to be independent again, um, and they were pretty much dying out. And I, I believe now they're still kind of at that same wavelength, but they were really well to do. You were really cool if you worked there. Um, so I, I was a media uh, intern there and I had a mentor and he was a creative director and he sat me down and he was like, you dress like a child. So Mm. you want to dress for the job that you have, not the job that, you know, job that you want, not the job that you have. And I, and I was like, no one taught me business attire in college. And I don't know what I'm doing. And not to mention, I don't have any money to like go purchase a brand new wardrobe Mm -hmm. um, because you're not paying me. And so I kind of like would collect these kind of negatives throughout my career and just kind of would just glob them on and and myself I've been laid off from places and I've been let go or I've or I've walked away from positions um but really like the heart of it was I hated working at an agency I absolutely hated it and yet it was always the easiest place to find a job and get a job and it was always the easiest place to kind of stick in for a little bit to, to keep your career going um but where I thrived for the majority of my career was when I would work product side of marketing, um, where I was the one making the decisions and calling the shots, which was nice. Um, so I've definitely felt that to a degree throughout my career of this kind of feeling of like, 
oh, like I don't belong here. I don't like these clients. Why am I doing this? Um, but now kind of what's been driving my soul, um, is just kind of working for others. And so I, I do a lot of volunteer work and, and that's been making me feel a lot more connected and a lot less other than. Yeah. Well, I, I like how you bring up this idea that we capture the negatives and carry those with us. I think you don't see a lot of people who dwell on the positives. Nobody, I don't know, maybe it's just the environment that we find ourselves in when we're working at agencies, or maybe I'm just built differently, but it feels like more often than not, if I was leaving work and bringing something home with me, it was something negative. It was never anything positive. It was, Mm -hmm. it was not coming home and being in a good mood. I don't remember the last time I came home from a job where I was working at an agency in a good mood. I, and, and chalk that up to spending an hour in the car driving home in traffic. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it, but I never really felt fulfilled. And it felt like all I was doing was putting out fires and getting to the next day. And, and it took me a long time to realize that, like I said, I'm 41 and I'm not, it took me almost 20 years of working at agencies to figure that out, that, that that's not normal. Right, right, absolutely. And to my listeners, if you hear a crinkling sound, it is my dog. Uh, he has a toy that is extra crinkly and it feels like it's really loud in my headphones and I apologize, but he just had surgery. So we'll just let him crinkle that toy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get that a lot. And I think like I used to bring home one, all of the negatives and I would bring home just all of my frustrations. And, and so my husband and I had to have like a hard rule, like we can, you cannot bring work home. You cannot bring that home because we, you know, we have such limited time together, um, you know, with him being in the military that like, I didn't want to take away from that time anymore because I was bringing it home constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's the tough thing is, and I think like it only truly happens when you're just in a position or you're in a career or you're doing something that's just not right. Because when at my last job, when I was on fire and doing great and everything was going well, that was awesome. But then when the negativity would creep in, that's when I'd be like, I need to look for something else. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. They don't value me. Like all of this kind of negativity would seep in. And then I just felt miserable at the end of the day. Yeah. And then you start thinking, I need to find something else. But is that something else going to be the same thing? Are you just going to repeat what is already happening? And like you said, that's kind of the case across the board. I mean, I worked mm-hmm. for five agencies, I think, four or five agencies. And every single one that I went to work for marketed itself as a different agency and a different environment. And every single one was the same. Absolutely. And it actually made me coin my uh, interview question, my number one interview question now, no matter where I'm going, if, I'm, if, if I ever step back into corporate life, again, <laughs> we'll see where this pandemic is going. Um, I always ask, what is your holiday party like? Because I worked for an agency where they did not value um, work-life balance and you were actually um, doing yourself a disservice. They would, they basically, they would pay you based on productivity, which is never a good model. And they would penalize you for doing anything to better the company because that would cost into quote unquote fruition time. And um, basically you had to account for every minute of your day. So we would, we were allowed one 
one half hour that we could clock out for the holiday party and we had to eat at our, at our desks and we got one drink ticket. And that was, I worked there for three years and it was awful. And, awful. and I, and I just ever since then have asked that question because I never thought to ask. Cause I thought, you know, if you're going to say that you have great work-life balance and corporate culture, then actually say and say it, you know, actually prove it. Yeah. Um, versus versus just kind of doing that. So I always think about that. And you're right. You just kind of trade one one bag of crap for another bag of crap, especially in marketing. It's just, it's really hard to differentiate and be different. And so that's why I like that you branched out on your own with your business partner and did something that means something to you. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to, I'm not accusing agencies of purposely being like that, but that's just how the business model is. Like you talk about accounting for every minute of your time. Every agency that I worked for, we had to enter our time and it was in 15 minute increments. So all of that time had to be used and you, there was talk about flexibility and being able to work from home. And of course this was pre pandemic. And I just felt that even though they told you it was okay to work from home, and even though they said it might be okay to leave a little bit early if you have kids or if you have prior commitment, that was always held against you. And now we're seeing as this pandemic has just remained, we can be productive at home without spending hours in the car in a commute, without having to show our managers that we're in our office or we're in our cubicle doing work the work still gets done. And those who don't do the work, I mean, we'll quickly figure that out. So I'm hoping as we come out of this, and I'm starting to see this, some agencies are just foregoing the office model completely and letting people work from wherever they need to work to get the work done. And at the end of the day, isn't that the most important thing that you're getting the work done and you're doing a good job? Like who cares about a holiday party or who cares about getting drinks with coworkers after work. I mean, does anybody really like that? I don't know. Again, maybe I'm uh, abnormal when it comes to that kind of thing. And I have friends who I used to work with that I'm good friends now, but for the most part, I didn't really care to, to like going out to get drinks with coworkers was not a perk I was looking for when I went to work somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a hundred percent sense. And I, I, I kind of agree with you now where it's kind of funny. Like I, I, I do wonder how that company that I used to work for is doing because, because they were, they would always let the developers work from home and never held them accountable for anything. But then everyone else, it was like, they would look at you weird if you were leaving early or um, you weren't, you weren't to work like at the minute that there was a meeting because there was a car accident or something like they weren't just not very understanding, very inflexible. Um, and, and that kind of just bred into misery. And I, and I don't want to completely crap on this company because I learned a lot and I gained a lot of value from it. Um, however, <clears throat> I do think that with this pandemic and this um, virtual workforce and kind of this remote workforce, it's really kind of making people realize that like, you don't have to be in an office to be productive and right. you don't have to, you can get your projects done on time in a timely manner. And you don't have to just like, you know, have a gun to your head that says you're chained to your desk and you have to stay there until exactly 5 PM on the dot um, yeah. or wait for the boss to leave. So I do think that that's a more positive structure as we're moving towards it. 
Um, and uh, similar to you, I didn't like hanging out with my coworkers because I couldn't trust that they wouldn't repeat the things I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I was the weird one too. I didn't really hang out with them, um, that often after work. Uh, and even in my, my most, my, my last job I did, I barely did as well. Um, in terms of success, success looks different to everyone. Everyone quantifies it, qualifies it differently. What does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? I do feel successful. I mean, here we are about three years on, a little bit more since I started my company. Um, I haven't had to go find a a job anywhere else yet. So that's good. So I guess that would, that would be success. Um, So, and and I didn't mention this earlier, I'm a widower. So my wife passed away from breast cancer. I mean, depending on when we're listening to this in January of 2020. So it hasn't been that long. So to me, success is there's a couple of things it's it's a getting paid to do work that i like doing and and doing it in a way that i think is appropriate um and b it's also having the freedom to raise two girls on my own and make sure that they are well adjusted to life and and um not having a mom and and being able to give them the the tools to 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 live a great life, but also being able to, um, to, to do things with them that maybe I wouldn't be able to do if I was working a nine to five job. Um, so those are the two things that that's what success looks like to me is making money, obviously, but having the freedom to, to raise my kids, because I look at it from a completely different angle. I mean, Mm -hmm you know, life is short, do what you want to do. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think, and, and before this, so, so, so my situation is different. I look at it differently, but if, if I had this viewpoint 10 years ago, I, I, I probably would not have worked at agencies for so long. I, you know, I probably would have not put up with some of the BS that comes with it. And now I kind of, I have that, um, that viewpoint, it, it kind of weaves its way through everything that I do. But again, I realize that it's a rare um, situation and not everybody can um, uh, com- compartmentalize things like that. And so yeah. would I like to be in this spot? No, of course not, but I am. And so that colors my, um, my viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and first of all, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss, but I, I feel <clears throat> that you are doing absolutely the best that you can and you, and it's fortuitous that you started the company pre pandemic pre before, you know, this, 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 you know, tremendous loss and you do have that freedom. And I think that that's beautiful and amazing. And on top of a pandemic, having that structure in place already is probably extremely helpful. Um, you know, and, and the gift of time is so important in the pandemic and in 2020. So this is the, you know, the, the creation of this podcast came because I got laid off from my job. And then I wondered if other people felt the way I felt with imposter syndrome, like you, it was very, I never knew what the, the word and terminology for it was. Um, and, then I, when I look back, you know, there's days where I just think like, gosh, this sucks. Right. And, 
And that's yeah. what my therapist is for, of course. But um, there's days where I'm like, this sucks so much. But then I look back on this year and I'm like, I had all of this time with my husband before he deployed. I had gobs and gobs of time that I would have, if I'd been working in an office nine to five and gone in, and there hadn't been a pandemic or whatever, even if I had to go into the office, because um, my, my company that laid me off ended up bringing people back into the office. Um, I, I wouldn't have had that time. I wouldn't have had that time or that connectivity to get involved with my command spousal um, organizations or the time to start volunteering so that I wouldn't feel like I'm, you know, just floating in the ocean by myself because before the pandemic, I was so averse to like being a military spouse. It was something I just never talked about. And, and now I'm very connected. And so in a lot of ways, yes, it sucked. I got laid off. Yes, it sucked that this pandemic sucks for a lot of people. Yes, it sucks. My husband's deployed, blah, blah, blah. But that's okay because I learned so much in this year that I, just like you, I'm able to look at it through a different lens where I'm like, I'm just grateful for a lot of things as yeah. well. And that's, that's to me, that's definitely success. So I, I like that answer. Yeah. And, and I can't remember, we may have talked about this when I interviewed you for my podcast, but if we can't come out of this pandemic with a different viewpoint on things and appreciate what we have, then I feel like it will have all been for naught. I mean, we, we can't, you know, yeah, it was, it was tough at the beginning. We were learning about what a pandemic was, what do lockdowns mean? What does, why do we have to wear a mask? And now I feel like, I mean, I can't speak for all the country because clearly that this isn't happening everywhere, but we are um, just kind of, it feels like we've gotten into a groove, at least me and my family and most of the people that I know, we've gotten into a groove and we're being safe and we understand the risks and when we come out of this, when those, when the vaccines are delivered and provided that they work, and it certainly sounds like they're going to, it's going to feel really good to be able to not have to wear a mask anywhere. And it's going to feel like we did our part and coming out of it, and we're going to appreciate everything a little more. And so I think if you're going through like, you know, like you said, if you're going through this pandemic and every day you're grumbling because of how terrible it is, that's not good. Like, that's not going to help anybody. So if we can appreciate what we have and the time that we have to spend with our family and things like that, I think we will have all grown a little bit as people when we come out of it. Yeah, absolutely. You can't come out of this worse than you went into it because- I hope not. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the funny thing is, you know, a lot of people, uh, I feel like a lot, there's a, so much positive that's come out from this and, and, and as, as, as grave and, you know, horrible as a lot of things have had, have been, I also feel like, you know, people are more creative. They're a lot more empathetic. They're a lot more human. They're a lot more connected. Gosh, I remember when the pandemic started, I was talking to people I hadn't talked to in years we would have like little happy hours. And then as kind of different states changed their regulations, I was still Zooming because I couldn't do much in, in, in Cal California. Plus with a military restriction on top of it, my husband and I were just at our house all the time. So, um, yeah. so I was going through it differently and I think we're all going through it differently, but, but the thread is, is that we're all going through it. Yeah. Um, but, but if we can't just like take a second and look at just all of the things we can be positive about or grateful for or counting our blessings as my great grandma would say um 
you know, I, I, I just, it, I wouldn't want to be friends with someone who looked at this pandemic, said it's a hoax and I'm not going to do anything to be better. And I'm not going to do anything to be more human or a better community member or whatever. So yeah. that's kind of where, where, where my thing lies. And, and uh, it, it's a weird year, but you know, I mean, it's, it's also just, we're going to look back one day and be like, wow, we really did that. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, we're also realizing that there are some people who we probably shouldn't spend any more time with because <laughs> their, their viewpoints on things are just totally out of line or our values don't are no longer similar. And that's in a weird way, helping to kind of trim the fat, if you will. Um, so yeah. that's how yeah. I look at it. Absolutely. Um, so I think we've, you know, covered the, the elephant in the room, which is of course, imposter syndrome. Um, so I always like to ask my guests kind of things that they are fanatical about and unpopular opinions. Um, so uh, what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Uh, I am fanatical about golf and I am thankful that that was something I was able to do a lot of this summer because you can socially distance, you're outside, you're not getting right in somebody's face. And I decided, you know, and in, in here in Michigan, we have a limited amount of time to golf. We get about six, seven months a year, sometimes eight. Um, and so I spent a lot of time on the golf course this summer. And, and the thing that I like about it is it helps you can track if you're getting better. Um, so for those who are unfamiliar, there's a handicap system. Most professional golfers are going to be a, a scratch golfer, which means, which is like a zero. Um, I am an 11, which means if I'm playing a, a scratch golfer in a match, that person's going to give me 11 strokes. Um, so as the, as the summer went on, depending on how well I was playing, I could see my handicap getting lower or higher. And it was something that I could fight to get better at. And it, and it allows me to think, and I just, and you're outside and the weather's warm and it's just, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the competition. I'm also slightly obsessed with golf shirts. So that's good too. Um, so that is something I'm fanatical about in from December to March, I'm going to dream about golfing. I'm going to be bummed about the whole time because it's there's going to be seven inches of snow on the ground and I won't be able to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I am terrible at all sports. I am very much left-handed and left-footed and whatever. So I've never been able to quite get it um, just because my dad tried to teach me as a kid and I was like, I don't understand. So um but I, I, I like that because I wish I was good at golf. Um, my, my father-in-law, he, he and my mother-in-law, they, they have country club, uh, you know, membership and, and golf is one thing he's been able to do. And I know it's been driving my mom and crazy because he'll go play. Cause it's one of the one things you can do and all of her favorite things she can't do because they're not essential or safe um, you know, she loves to get to, to play poker. Can't do that right now. She, yeah. you know, loves to go get her nails done. Can't do that right now. Um, and so, so she's been very, uh, very, very bored this year. Um, well, my, my father-in-law has been able to play golf pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that and yeah, golf shirts, um, they're very comfortable and I appreciate that uh, a lot. 
So in terms of unpopular opinions, I always say as long as it's not hurtful, e.g. racist, it's totally okay. So what is one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why? Country music is terrible and you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> I, I just, I've never gotten into it. I've tried. My, my wife liked country music. I don't like it. I think it's, I just, I don't like it. And, and so, so don't, don't try to convince me otherwise, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. If you <laughs> are a fan of country music. Uh, I went to college in a country town uh, right. in Northern Colorado. And the, the, when I, when I turned 21 and I could go to the bars, um, they would have a country music band. And then it would be like in the intermission, they would throw a DJ on and the DJ <laughs> would play like top forties music. And then the country band would come back out. And so I, I never really got into, get it, got into it necessarily. I mean, there's certain songs that I'm like, okay, cool. I got it. But I do feel like country music and Dolly Parton are two separate entities. So like, mm -hmm. I love Dolly, but then also like, I, I'm not super into certain country songs about like cheating and whiskey and whatever. So I don't think that that's an unfair opinion because I think a lot of people have it. And mm -hmm. I, I, like you tried all through college to get into it. And I just like, was like, eh, it's okay. It's not my favorite. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, run out of my way to go see live country. <laughs> no, neither am I. Not that we can right now, but I wouldn't anyway. Well, I do feel like because a lot of people who do listen to country music tend to be a little more right-leaning, there have been concerts in those states that are not playing by the rules right now. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I see that and I'm judging it and I don't think anyone should be doing that at all. <laughs> it's easy to judge when they're getting together to go see a concert in the middle of a global pandemic right and in san diego we're doing like we're doing like drive-up concerts where like because mm -hmm. like the beach boys did a concert where you drove up to del mar and you sat in your car and, and there's a lot of drive-through things right now that you can do i'm still not going to go do them but right. there i mean you can't fault them for trying i guess <laughs> i mean there has to be i i you're right i i admire those who are trying to bring back a sense of normalcy but to be honest, it's it's not working, and I would rather wait in, until things have improved, vaccines are available before doing anything like that. I mean, I'm, I had I think I was I had tickets to four concerts this summer. I was um, it was the Foo Fighters, Rage Against the Machine, Dave Matthews Band. There may have been one more they all got postponed or canceled and some of them got pushed to next year. And I don't even know if they're going to happen next year. And you know what? Fine. I'll wait another year. I'm, I'm not in a rush to go do anything like this until it's deemed safe. I'm not going to risk my health to go see a concert. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I feel like there's just, a lot of things, you know, and right now people are very upset because they're like, oh, like I have to cancel my Thanksgiving plans or I have to cancel these things that I'm doing and I'm upset. And I'm like, first of all, some of y'all have never spent a holiday alone. <laughs> yeah. Because I have. 
a many a time. And, and because of the military, sometimes my husband was working or he was away. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's one, it's one year or two years or whatever, but then think about it. Like you're making a small sacrifice right now. And then you're saving your immunocompromised or elder family from, from sickness. And, and so it's, it's just, people complaining that things aren't normal. I'm like, you know, it's one year out of however many you're going to live and life is short and you might as well make the most of it. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. So we're coming towards the end of our podcast, um, my podcast, but of course um, I always like to give the floor um, to you to promote whatever you'd like to promote. So take it away. I, you know, I, I don't have much, you know, like I said, I have a, a, a marketing slash PR agency, if you want to call it that, um, built around the business of storytelling. It's Yellram Media, Yellram being my last name backwards, because I didn't want to spend a lot of time thinking of a, a company name. So you can go there. It's www.yellrammedia.com. And I also write and distribute a weekly newsletter where I interview a different storyteller so writer marketer pr pro what have you i ask them six questions they answer it in the newsletter i share kind of what's going on in my head for that week that goes out every sunday morning 10 a.m eastern time um and you can find that if you go to my website uh, yellrammedia.com if you scroll down i also have a podcast which is between seasons right now um but that was fun. That was a kind of a, a pandemic project that I took on. So I've, I've decided once I have enough people lined up to do a second season, I'm going to do that. But the newsletter, I'm always popping up in inboxes. And then Twitter, you can find me at Brad Marley. Um, Instagram, the same. Pretty much everywhere is at Brad Marley. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to my listeners, as always, all of the information, the company, the podcast, all of that will be linked so that you can get in touch with Brad. And as always, it's great to talk to you. It's been a pleasure to, you know, have you on my podcast and thank you for giving me the floor of yours. I will also link that to my listeners in my podcast description as well. Um, but do you have any parting words for my listeners? I don't. Um, I guess I will say to, to circle back, life is short. Do what you want to do that makes you happy because the more time you spend doing something that doesn't make you happy, the more resentful you become of people and the job. And we all need to just do what lifts our hearts and, and makes us feel good about ourselves and others. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for taking the time to, to, you know, be on my podcast and, and, you know, sharing space for my listeners. Um, to everyone listening, of course, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, the podcast about imposter syndrome. And I hope that you have a great rest of your week and um, a safe and happy holiday season. All right. Thanks. You too. All right.
Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.